It's a good thing. We have some testimonies for you tonight and uh, some great things that God <clears throat> has done and is doing. Before we get into that, um, Hannah is going to be our first one. Where is Hannah? Is she still here? Okay, sweetheart. Uh, but before we get into that, we had a baptism service on Monday night. I think we baptized, what, 14, 13, 15? Is anybody going to make it 16? No. Okay. <laughs> 50 sold, yes. So we baptized 15 people on uh, Monday night. And um, uh, uh, several of those that were baptized as a result of the Todd White Conference and uh, the whole team was just phenomenal. And the deposit that they made into our ministry is just phenomenal. As I continue to talk with young and old alike whose lives have been radically, I mean radically changed for the glory of God. Hallelujah. For the glory of God of people who are just continuing to allow the fire of the Holy Spirit to just burn, burn within them. So... Nonetheless, um, it's, it's what a, a privilege it was to do. I was privileged to do the baptizing uh, on, uh, on Monday night. And uh, probably the highlight of uh, the baptism was baptizing my wonderful daughter in grace, Courtney, and uh, our, uh, our son, Jonathan. And uh, it was just a very emotional moment that uh, God allowed me to be a partaker of. So, nonetheless, uh, just giving God praise for all that. Uh, I want to invite Hannah up because she has been richly, richly blessed and touched. Uh, so I hear I haven't heard what's happened to you. So this is going to be this is going to be first for for me. So uh, let us know, okay? All right. It's going to be wonderful. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is weird. I'm normally not speaking up here. I, I do my singing thing, but it's very different speaking up here, so bear with me. I didn't prepare any words. Uh, I just said, you know, Holy Spirit's going to speak through me, so I don't know what I'm going to say, but here we go. Um, so hearing about power and love, I was first asked to lead worship up here. Um, we had a guest um, vocalist, Heath King, and he was amazing. So, yeah, he was great. Um, so really my focus going into that conference was preparing for that. Um, I was nervous. I didn't really know what to expect. It was like a different routine, different practice. But um, I don't know. I was really anxious about that. And um, at first I thought I was going to let that get in the way of what, what, like, what God was trying to do through that weekend. Um, so the first night we, we sat in the sessions. And when it was time for outreach, I was really hesitant I'm not really someone to step out of my comfort zone and speak to non-believers or speak to people that aren't really in my personal bubble. So that first outreach ses session, um, I didn't really speak to anybody. And when I came back, I was kind of disappointed in myself because I was like, wow, here are all my friends stepping out, speaking to new people, same age as me. You know, I'm like, why can't I do this? Like, why, why is it different for me? So I was really disappointed and thought that I wasn't going to receive what other people were receiving, that I wasn't going to step in to what God wanted me to do that weekend. Um, so we were sitting in a session, and Sean Smith was speaking on stage. 
and uh, it was great. He was a wonderful speaker. But uh, later that evening, he kind of mentioned an altar call for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we've had a few in the past. Pastor Tom has called it. And I've been standing up here leading worship. And I've kind of felt Holy Spirit like, you need to go, you need to go. But uh, I kind of let thoughts like, man, if I lead this platform, I'm up here leading worship, right? I thought there was like an expectation that I should already have that. I should be gifted in that way. And I didn't know what other people were gonna think if I stepped off of the platform and that I, that I would get prayed for. So I never went down. And they had, what, like two or three calls before the conference. And I was like, I should have done it. You know, I, just, I felt that in my spirit. I was like, you should have went. Like, you gotta go, you gotta go. So he mentioned it at the conference. And uh, as soon as he mentioned that there would be the altar call, I was sitting in my seat. I was like a little shaky. I kind of felt like I had chills, but I wasn't cold. So I was like, oh man, here we go. I started shaking a little bit. And I'm looking around. And I had uh, Matthew sitting next to me. He was just sitting up here. Um, and I was looking at him. I was like, I think this means I got to go up. But like, I don't want to go up by myself. And as soon as he made the call, I look over to ask him to go up with me. And he's already out of his seat, walking to the front. And I'm like, oh, man, this is it, right? So I get up here. And I'm like shaking head to toe. I had like tears rolling down my face. And I'm like, we're not even doing it yet. I'm already crying. Like, this is going to be crazy. Uh, so he just begins praying over us. And I was just in tears. And I was sobbing. And hands were all on me. And I, you know, you feel like super hot. Like that Holy Spirit fire is like, oh. So I was like, man, this is so cool. And, um, you know, I've, I've never spoken tongues before. So I was like, I don't know how to do this. Like they say, open your mouth and go for it. But I'm like, I don't really know if that's gonna do anything. But uh, it, it did happen. They started praying for me. I opened my mouth and all this stuff just started spewing out of my mouth, right? And I'm like, I'm sobbing. I'm sobbing, but speaking words. And then something like really kind of crazy happened. I started like laughing and I was like, you know, like, I don't even know what that is, Holy Spirit, but I just started, like, cracking up, and I was like, why am I laughing right now? But I had giggles, yeah, joy, right? I was just so, I was overwhelmed. I didn't know, I didn't even, I couldn't speak. I was just sobbing, crying, laughing. All these hands on me were just praying for me. They were saying exactly what I needed to hear. Holy Spirit was working through them, and I was like, this is awesome. So I felt so refreshed after that night, and I came in the next day, I was like, I'm going to do this. So we went out um, to the mall for outreach. And, you know, I got to speak to multiple people. We laid hands on them. We prayed for them. But I just felt so much more confident. And I was like, you know, I can do this. Like, why do I need to care what other people say about me, what they think about me? Like, this is what I'm called to do. I'm called to go out and disciple um, to different people and make disciples. So that outreach, I got to speak to so many new people. And then even at home, um, my brother ended up with like a bad sprained ankle. And I was talking to Joseph Cedar. He shared up here a couple weeks ago, or maybe last week. But um, he was like, why don't you pray for your brother? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, it's something weird about praying for your own family. I I'm not sure if that's anybody else. But I was like, I don't know if I can go pray for him. But um, I kind of waited till last minute before he was leaving for a camp over the weekend. And I just walked up to him. And I was like, can I pray for your ankle? And he's like looking at me like, 
I guess, you know, he's a year younger than me, so he's ornery. But um, he was like, fine. So I bent down and I was like, you know, in Jesus' name, I speak healing over this ankle, all bruising, all swelling, all pain has to go. And he just looked at me and I said, how do you feel? Can you stand on it? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, awesome, that's cool. And I was like, how about the bruising? He was like, yeah, it's going down. I was like, what about the swelling? He was like, yeah, it's like not even swollen anymore. And I was like, awesome. I don't even think you need that brace anymore. So he came back that weekend and he wasn't even walking with crutches, you know, no brace on. So I was like, let's go. I did it. But yeah, it was awesome. And I think that weekend, um, it definitely allowed me to step out um, and be someone I didn't know that I was, I have this like new confidence, new bravery, and I, I know I'm brave. I know that I, anything is possible with God, right? But this weekend really stretched me, and I was uncomfortable, but in a great, great way. And even through worship now, I'm like, this is crazy. I feel so free and new, and it's awesome. So this weekend has completely changed me, and I feel awesome and glowy and happy and Yes, that's it. <laughs> that's all. That's it. Yes. I think, yeah. <laughs> okay, Brian, he's, of course, in our worship team, and God has just done some great work in his life. And... Uh, you know, the, the thing about it, when you stop and think with Peter, before he was baptized with the Holy Spirit, before Pentecost, Peter was, of course, as you well know, the one who denied Jesus three times. And, um, but after Pentecost, he was as bold as a lion, a lion, okay? So something wonderful happened with you also, right? Yes. Let's hear it. All right. This is not my normal thing either. Um, I don't talk in front of people very often, although I do own a business, and um, my dad has a tool and die company, and I'm getting ready to take that over. And I've been afraid of that for a long time, but um, something has changed in me um, over the past, I would say since January, there's been some change going on in my life. Um, I come from a Baptist background. I went to church my whole life, went to private school, um, I was in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, um, and there was a point in Mary and I's life where we were feeling like something needed to change. It was just, everything was stale. We weren't growing. Um, we were just kind of stuck. So we came to Word of Life to try it out one night, uh, 10 years ago. And I'll never forget, we walked in, and Pastor Sheldon greeted us, and he was going to do a little tour with us. The first question that I asked him was, does this church believe in speaking in tongues? And he very gently uh, broke that to me. He said, yes, we do, but we don't. It's not a requirement. It's, it's just a personal belief. We do believe that. That's part of our uh, belief structure here. So... 10 years I've been here, I've been serving, I've been helping with the worship team. I started with uh, Josh Rudder on Wednesdays. Um, I was talking to him about Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, and I just said, you know, Josh, I don't, I just don't understand. You know, and he said, you look like an intellectual guy. I said, I'm not an intellectual guy. Um, 
but I am trying to figure it out. Um, there was part of my brain that just wanted to figure out that there's some formula, there's some sort of thing that I'm not doing. There's something that's blocking me. Um, but I found out this year that it was me that was blocking me. It, it was me that needed to go through a, a dying process to self. I needed to let go and surrender. So before we um, knew that Todd White was coming here, our friends, um, Sean and Sarah, they told us about going to his conference in Toledo and they said, you guys wanna come? And I thought, oh man, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for that. But I, I knew that God was trying to break something in me. And I said, you know, we need to go to this conference. We're gonna say yes to that. So we found out shortly after that that Todd White was coming here. And we're like, oh, well, we already have tickets for Toledo. Well, you know what, we're going because I know that there's a possibility that I could be helping with Todd White here. So we decided that we were gonna go. And I am so thankful that we did because all of the change that needed to happen, it needed to happen without a guitar in my hands, without being on the stage, without looking out amongst all the people that were experiencing what I needed to experience for myself. Sorry, there's no way I'm gonna get through this without crying. <laughs> um, but when we got to Toledo, um, I had already, for, the, for a couple of months, I had been seeking the Lord intensely. I, I was fasting, I was praying, I was um, reading the Bible in a new way. Things were jumping out at me and speaking to me for the first time really ever in my life. I, you know, I'm gonna be 40 and... Uh, I don't want to say that I'm ashamed that I didn't know these things, but um, I do have regret. I wish that I would have known sooner, and that's part of why I'm up here. I want anybody that's not sure whether they can take the next step in their life to take that next step um, because it is so worth it. It changes everything. Um, so we went to the conference. Um, we went on outreach. We did all the same things that, that a lot of you experienced here. And uh, we prayed for people, um, we laid hands on people. And on the Saturday night after some of the teachings, um, I knew that they were gonna do the fire tunnel and I didn't know what a fire tunnel was. And they were prepping us, like saying, oh, you're gonna see some things. You're gonna see some things, it's gonna be wild. It's, and there, there's all this um, emotion going on in my mind, but I kept my heart focused on what I had surrendered to God. And I said, God, whatever you want to do with me, I want you to break me in whatever, whatever that looks like, I'm ready and I'm saying yes. So as we're getting ready to go through the fire tunnel, um, there was a lot of things going on in the front, but I, I closed my eyes. I wouldn't look at it. I, I just felt in my heart that I didn't want to judge anybody. I didn't want to see something happening to somebody else and think, well, that's what's gonna to happen to me. I just wanted to stay completely surrendered in that moment and just allow God to do what he wanted to do. So I'm gonna read a little bit of this because um, I don't wanna miss it. This is something that is new to me too, a journaling. Um, Sarah, thank you for pushing me to do that because it's really helped me a lot. So leading up to the fire tunnel prayer, I was confessing to God that my heart was open to receive and kept my eyes and heart focused only on him. I had decided to keep my eyes closed and not to be distracted by anything or anyone around me. 
I asked Holy Spirit to come and thank God for this gift. We waited in a very long line and my heart was burning. It was, I was hot and my legs felt weak as I approached the line of prayer. As I started into this line, I kept my eyes closed to not be judging anyone or be distracted. Leaders began laying hands on my head and my heart as my heart began to race. I felt overwhelmed with emotion and the emotion took over. I tried to cry out to God. I remember halfway through the line, I'm not even thinking Todd White at this point. I'm thinking, I, I want to receive Holy Spirit so desperately. So as I was going through the line, I remember a man putting his hand on my head and he yelled fire and he yelled, Holy Spirit, come, fill him, Lord. And something rose up in me and I, I was already feeling weak. Something rose up in me, and it was almost like a wailing, a wailing came out of me, like a cry to God. And at that moment, my entire body gave out. I, I went the whole way down. I went all the way. Uh, somebody caught me. Um, I don't really remember that too much, but as they carried me over to the side, I began to clench and shake Everything was shaking. My, my right hand, for some reason, was shaking really bad. And tongues started to pour out. I didn't even know what it was at the time. I, I, was, I heard it coming out, but I didn't understand it, but I didn't care. I didn't, I didn't need to understand it. Um, I knew what was happening. And um, as I laid on the ground, my wife came over uh, to comfort me. I just laid there weeping and speaking in tongues and shaking and shaking and shaking. Uh, after I got the strength to get up and come back over to the seat, <clears throat> we sat there and I'm just still crying and I'm just thanking God and I'm still trying to process it. And then I th just as I thought that we were about done, another wave came over me and I just knelt down to the floor and just started praising God and speaking out to him and just thanking him and groaning and things that were totally new to me, but it was, it was a beautiful thing. Um, so after that, Nathan had asked me to film a video for them so that you guys could be pumped and a lot more people come to the uh, Todd White conference here. So that's why I was sitting in the video like, <laughs> that's why, <laughs> but um, I am so thankful. It, it has given me a, a new confidence in myself and in who God wants me to be. It has opened my eyes. I, I keep telling everybody, it's almost like a veil has been lifted off of my head. And I can see people, when I go out, I can see people so differently. You're not going into the store to get groceries anymore. You're going in to see who God wants you to speak to. You're going in to see, God, who, who needs your touch today? Who can I talk to? It, it, it's hitting me every time that we go out. I, I can't wait to do it. It's almost becoming a normal part of my life, and I want it to be. I want it to be normal. So if you have not, if you have not taken that step, I just encourage you. Um, God is moving. He is moving in this place. He's moving in our houses. He's moving in our families. And he's going to use this to move across this city and way beyond that. So, thank you.
Now, if you go on the internet, they'll tell you that what Brian has experienced, that's of the devil, okay? That's of the devil. And stop and think about this. Is the devil going to shake someone's life so radically that they're going to go out and witness, lay hands on people for the glory of Jesus, bring them into a new place of praise and worship and adoration to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? The devil's dumb, but he's not that dumb, okay? He's not that dumb. So um, praise God. Praise God. Absolutely wonderful. And I think Brian said a key word there. He wanted to keep his eyes closed and focused so he would not be judging others or comparing himself. And I got to thinking as I, as I heard that, I thought, you know what? Judgmental people very seldom receive much from the Lord. Very seldom. Okay, because they close off that avenue to receive from Almighty God. And so please consider that and keep that in mind. Our last testimony before Pastor Sheldon comes is uh, Bill Hafer, Dr. Bill Hafer. And uh, he had a tremendous, tremendous touch here with uh, a healing in his, in his body. And he's going to tell you about it. Well, I want to thank, thank Pastor Tom for asking me to come up here and... Uh, the Lord has done mighty works in my body, mind, and spirit over the last 30 years since Lisa and I have been attending Word of Life. And I know I only have five minutes, so <laughs> we're going to cut to the chase. Um, I'm a man, and I struggle. I struggle probably with pride issues, just like every other man. In fact, I think I hear Lucy saying, you blockhead Charlie Brown. Um, <clears throat> so um, 30 months ago, during the height of the pandemic, standing over at that door there and clearing my throat <clears throat> all the time. After I eat, my throat's closing up. So I stopped eating certain foods and that problem would diminish. So I went and got checked and they told me that I had wheat, rye, and barley allergies, not to eat that stuff. So, okay, I accept it. I'm going to do things my way. And um, so that's what I did. I stopped eating all that and because um, I'm a man. I listen to what people say and, and I pray about things and I've seen miracles in my family members and other people. I've prayed for other people, seen miracles happen, but I never asked it for myself. So I give the Lord all the glory. Um, Todd White was speaking Sunday the 7th and I'm listening, I'm over here at the pastor's door, ushering, and um, I started thinking to myself, you know, you've been in church, you've read the Bible, you see all the examples. The Lord asked the blind man, what do you want of me? Well, the blind man knows, he knows, I wanna see. Well, the Lord already knew that. And I thought, well, what do I want? You know, and Mr. White was talking about the guy unloading a, a gun at his car at him being unscathed. And I'm thinking, that's, that's awesome. That, how, how can that happen? And, you know, I, I felt the Lord talking to me and saying, I can do anything, which everybody already knows that. But here again, I'm the blockhead. 
So I'm sitting here, standing here and, and thinking about this, and I'm like, I really don't want to have this food allergy. I'd like to eat food. I mean, I love bread, <laughs> gravy, biscuits and gravy. Come on. So as soon as I said, I don't want this allergy, the speaker says, allergies be gone. I felt this heat wave come over me where I could break out in a sweat. And I'm standing there and I'm like, did I just imagine this? And I heard the Lord telling me, you're healed. So I stood there the rest of the service, didn't tell nobody, you know, because I don't, I don't want to talk about it. And, and so we get in the car and we're on our way to Latrobe and I tell my wife the whole story. And I said, I just want to stop and eat a big honking piece of bread. And she says, well, turn around, let's go to Olive Garden. And I said, no, I'm saving it for Fazoli's because I heard they have the better breadsticks. So in the last 10 days, I've had everything, everything. I do not have any problem. The thing is, before Easter, my wife and I took a short trip. We stopped at a restaurant. I got a salad, because that's what I could eat. Everything was a salad. And the dressing had weed in it, and my throat was closing up. I was sitting there clearing my throat. I'm like, this isn't good. Now I'm eating everything and not having a problem. And praise the Lord. He can touch you. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, listen, what, what happened to them can happen to you. You really can. How many this evening have something in your body that, that doesn't belong there? How many believe that God can heal that? So those around you, just lay hands on those people right now. And let's just believe. Let's just believe for healing right now. If there's somebody near you, just lay your hands on them. Say, I'm not qualified to lay hands on them. The Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, we just proclaim healing and wholeness right now in the name of Jesus. We've heard these testimonies, Father, and we believe your word that by your stripes we are and were healed in Jesus' name. We declare it, we believe it, and we stand upon it tonight. Your word is true. Hallelujah. Regardless of what the world says, regardless of what the enemy says, we believe we are healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, and we give you praise. And everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. We've got some confessing to do. Let's, this is our confession of faith. Let's say it like we mean it. Here we go. Jesus, be glorified in my life. Holy Spirit, I welcome your presence. My heart is open to receive the ever-living, never-changing word of God. The word that is changing, healing my body, setting me free. My faith is growing, and I am living in the favor of my God. I declare it, I believe it, and I receive it by faith, for I am blessed. Say it again. Come on now. I am blessed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Well, you may be seated tonight. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to remind you of gatekeepers. Make sure that you get your tickets, guys, for gatekeepers. Tonight's the last night to get your tickets for gatekeepers. is on Saturday morning. Wives, you need to encourage your husbands to get out here because they'll be blessed. I know Mark Gephardt. He's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guy. He will have a word that will challenge your spirit. He really will. So 
Make sure you get those tickets tonight. Are they $5? Is that what they are? They used to be $5. $5. Uh, inflation doesn't hit the church. It's been $5 as long as I, I've been here 12 years. $5 as long as I've been here. We probably need to raise the price there, Pastor, a little bit. But 5 bucks, I tell you, it's, it's good. So make sure. Okay. <laughs> no, just 5 <laughs> Oh, Praise the Lord. Um, and by the way, um, talking about men, this golf outing that they're having May or June the 6th or June the 9th, whatever it is, Iron Man. Um, if you, if you haven't signed up for that, you can sign up for that. And that's, that's a good, uh, good opportunity to meet some new guys. Uh, the video that they showed, uh, with the guy that was Lenny Cole making that putt. And, and I thought, is he going to make that putt? Let me tell you, he didn't make that putt. Cause I've golfed with Lenny. He did. He, I didn't have to see it. He didn't make it. <laughs> Matthew chapter 5 is the Beatitudes, and we're looking at the Beatitudes. Tonight, we're going to finish the Beatitude that we started last week, which says, blessed, blessed are those that work for peace, or blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. I want to underscore one word with you in the New Living Translation of that, uh, that verse. The Bible says, blessed are those or blessed are those that work for peace. Let me tell you something. It doesn't come easy sometimes to be a peacemaker. There's a big difference between being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. Um, a peacemaker strives for peace and attempts to reconcile things when people are at odds with each other, whether it's themselves or others. But a peacekeeper, on the other hand, wants peace at all costs, regardless. Have you ever said this? Oh, just give me some peace. All I want is peace. And we'll accept anything if we just have a little bit of peace. My brother and I used to fight a lot when we were children. And uh, my mother uh, just, she, you know, bless her heart, bless her heart. She, um, uh, she just didn't like it when we fought. And we were constantly bickering with each other. And I remember her saying time after time after time after time, oh, boys, I wish we just had a little bit of peace. Peace keepers are a little different than peacemakers. Let me, let me, let me give you some problems with peacekeepers. Peacekeepers are sometimes afraid of conflict. They don't like conflict. Matter of fact, peacekeepers sometimes can be people pleasers. And whenever you're a people pleaser... Uh, in the midst of conflict, um, you always wind up wanting peace at any cost. So sometimes there are peace, uh, peace ke uh, keepers are uh, ple people pleasers. Uh, sometimes uh, peacekeepers feel like they're, they're, they're a doormat. And when, when you feel like you're a doormat, sometimes as a peacekeeper, you sometimes develop a, a mentality uh, that uh, you're a victim. And... Uh, uh, that's, of course, that's, that's not healthy for us, is it? If we develop that, that attitude that we, are, we have a victim mentality. Sometimes peacekeepers can be codependent. Uh, we, we have to have peace uh, for our happiness. So we, so we want peace at any cost. But peacemakers are a little different. Peacemakers are not afraid to be, of conflict. Uh, they don't seek it out, but they're not afraid of it. Uh, they want to stay calm. They want to stay self-controlled, even in the midst of the conflict. Let me give you a couple of characteristics of peacemakers. They're reasonable, level-headed. They show grace to others. They listen well. They bear the fruits of the Spirit. They promote unity. 
and reconciliation. There are times that we, in the midst of a conflict, make assumptions, don't we? Uh, especially if it's, a, if it's a heated conflict. We make assumptions that the other person doesn't like us, or we make assumptions that uh, we're right and they're wrong, or they're wrong and we're right, whatever. We make those assumptions. Um, a poem, a poem by uh, Valerie Cox. A woman was waiting in an airport one night with several long hours before her flight. She hunted for a book in the airport shop, bought a bag of cookies, found a place to drop. She was engrossed in her book, but happened to see that the man beside her, as bold as could be, grabbed a cookie or two from the bag between, which she tried to ignore to avoid a scene. She munched cookies and watched the clock as this gutsy cookie thief diminished her stock. She was getting more irritated as the minutes trickled by, thinking if I wasn't so nice, I'd blacken his eye. <laughs> With each cookie she took, he took one too. And when only one was left, she wondered what he'd do. With a smile on his face and a nervous laugh, he took the last cookie and broke it in half. He offered her half as he ate the other. She snatched it from him and thought, oh, brother, this guy has some nerve. He's also rude. Why, he didn't even show any gratitude. She'd known, she hadn't known when she had been so galled and sighed with relief when her flight was called. She gathered her belongings and headed for the gate, refusing to look back at that thieving ingrate. She boarded the plane and sank in her seat, then sought her book, which was almost complete. As she reached in her bags, she gasped with surprise. There was her bag of cookies in front of her eyes. <laughs> if mine are here, she groaned with despair. Then. The others were his, and he tried to share. Too late to apologize, she realized with grief that she was the rude one, the ingrate, the thief. <laughs> Sometimes we make assumptions that are not necessarily so. I gave you four principles of a peacemaker. Let me just review them just for a moment this evening before we move on to something new. And that is this. The principles of a peacemaker are very very definite and very unique. Here's, here's the first one. Peacemakers are motivated by a deep desire to bring honor to God in every situation. And if that's your attitude in the midst of conflict, it will change your attitude. It'll change the way you deal with conflict in your life. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, whether you eat or drink or live your life, uh, live your life in such a way that glorifies and honors God. Live your life in such a way, whether it's in conflict, whether in every opportunity that glorifies God. Secondly, peacemakers remove the log out of their own eye before they try to move anything <laughs> from their brother. Difficult to help someone else when um, you have not overcome faults in your life. I'm not saying you have to be perfect, but here's what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 7. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you 
Get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see the log in your own. Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And so many times I think that um, we, not that I'm, I'm not saying you have to be perfect, but I'm, I'm saying this, that sometimes we argue and contend with issues that we are dealing with ourselves. The third principle is this. Remember that restoration and healing is always the objective. Restoration and healing is always the objective. It's interesting. There's an interesting verse in Galatians chapter 6. that reads like this. Dear brothers and sisters, if anyone, if any believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right, onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Let me underscore something with you tonight. When you see a brother or sister that is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, take the higher road. Don't involve yourself in their conflict. Take the higher road. With humility and gentleness, help that person to get back on the right path. So, the restoration and healing is always the objective. Isaiah chapter 58, I won't read the whole verse, but Isaiah 58 says this, that we need to be rebuilders of the walls and restorers of homes. That's our mission. That's our calling. That's what it means to be a peacemaker. And then fourthly, the fourth principle that I mentioned last week is this, go and be reconciled. Matthew chapter five says this, and I want to make a, a point here that um, may not set very well with, with some of you, but, but um, um, I'm going to make it anyway. Matthew chapter 5 says this. If you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Here's the, here's, here's the point I want to make. It would seem to me that from this scripture that God says you being in right relationship with your brother is as important, if not more important, than your worship. And that as, you're, as you continue to worship and you have odd in your heart against your brother or you know that your brother has odd in his heart against you and you do not make that right, well, the Bible says you should make it right. Now, say, well, I've harbored this in my heart for many, many years. I don't think I can let go of it. Maybe you need to read that verse again. Go and be reconciled. I, um, when we lived at Pheasant Run uh, out in near uh, Murraysville area, um, we lived out there for 20-some years, and uh, our neighbor, his name was Mike. Mike lived by himself, and uh, he uh, was retired. And Mike had a swimming pool. He loved that swimming pool. He'd go down there and swim. But I had three trees that lined my property. One of those trees hung over Mike's swimming pool. And sometimes the leaves of my tree would go into Mike's swimming pool. And he was out there cleaning and cleaning, and he would clean it and clean it and clean it. And I could tell it irritated him. 
One day, coming home from work, this is um, some time ago, but coming home from work, I, I let the dog out, and um, I noticed that Mike was down there cleaning his pool. And I started to wave at him. And I had my hand about here, and I noticed that he wasn't, he wasn't waving back. He was really yelling at me. And I thought, why is he yelling at me? And I thought, ah, I know why he's yelling, because my leaves are in his pool. So uh, I thought, I, I don't know what to do about this. Um, I can't stop the leaves from <laughs> falling into his pool. So I put the dog back in the house. And I thought, I'm just going to go talk to Mike. So I went out the back door, and I started down my, my lawn uh, to talk to Mike. And he's still yelling at me. And the closer I got, the quieter he got. And then I, I looked at him. He was, he was shaking a little bit. I don't know whether he thought I was going to shoot him or what. I, 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 I wasn't. Um, but um, I got to where the pool was, and I said, Mike, I want to be a good neighbor. I don't want to be a bad neighbor, and I'm sorry that my leaves fall in your pool. I'm really sorry for that. And here's what I said, Mike, what can I do? What can I do to remedy this situation so that we can be friends? And Mike said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I said, Mike, here's what I'll do. Next, next fall, it was, it was summertime, in the fall, I'll have somebody come out and cut that tree. He said, no, 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 you don't have to do that. No, no, I don't, no, don't, no. No, I said, I, I want to do that because our relationship is more important than a tree. And I thought, he probably won't speak to me. <laughs> do you know Mike turned out to be the best friend that I had? Every time I left the house, Mike went, All it cost me was a tree. Um, what I'm saying is this, that reconciliation takes action. Reconciliation is not just hugging and saying it's okay, it's fine. Reconciliation takes a change of heart and a change of mind. Generally, how do people handle conflict? Well... <laughs> To be quite honest with you, um, people handle conflict in, a, in many different ways. Some people um, use that, what I call the escape mentality. Um, they, they like to escape. They, they, they don't like conflict. And because they don't like conflict, they think conflict is evil and sinful and they don't want anything to do with it. They fear the damage it'll, it'll do to a relationship. They, they run away from it. They escape from it. I don't want to deal with it. They deny it. Have you ever gone up to somebody and said, I think there's a, maybe a, a, a something that we need to talk about. Oh, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. They don't like to deal with it. So they escape it, they run away. They leave the house, they get mad. I told you last week about an episode that I had with my wife and um, uh, we, I left the house. I didn't want to deal with it. I've gotten a lot better since then. I want you to know that. I've gotten a lot better since then. Um, they, they, they end a relationship. They won't have anything to do with you. They quit a job. They uh, file for divorce. They, they stop going to the church. They go, they go to another church. They just don't like conflict. And, and so many times, it causes a deep-seated 
a deep-seated emotional hurt within us when we take that as an action. Some people, other people, um, take that attack mentality. Uh, they become very aggressive. Um, they're strong-willed. They're self-confident. Uh, they, their, their idea of dealing with conflicts is I'll eliminate the, pro the, the opposition. I'll just deal with it. So they verbally attack, they gossip, they slander, they they physically become violent. Uh, they force people to bend to their way. It's my way or the highway. <laughs> I'll take you to court. I'll um, I'll do you harm. I, I think I read the scripture to you last week. I'll read it again to you. you. Say, well, I would never do anybody harm. Here's what the Bible says: Anyone who hates his brother or sister is really a murderer. In, um, in the business world, my, my um, um, degree is in, is in uh, organizational leadership. And one of the, one of the um, things in organizational leadership is how to resolve conflict in the business place. And um, you know, there's, there's five, five different, and I'll just mention real quickly to you. Um, in, in the business world, they, they say that in conflict, some people avoid it. Like I've said, they avoid it at all costs. They just, you know, uh, when they just, you know, I don't want to sit beside that guy anymore. Move my chair over here. Or um, when I go to the mall, I'll just walk on the other side of the mall. I won't, I won't deal with it. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just avoid that, that issue. Uh, then, then secondly, uh, uh, there's, there's this area of accommodating. We accommodate. Well, uh, whatever you want, whatever you want, doesn't matter, whatever you want. Um, I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, uh, but sometimes that moves us into a victim's mentality because we say, well, whatever, whatever you want. And then thirdly, there's this dominating mentality that, that you know, we, 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 we intimidate. Here's, here's the word for that. We bully. We just bully our way through it. Um, and then fourthly, uh, a way of dealing with conflict in business is compromise. So we compromise. We, we, we try to settle an issue. Nobody wins. We, do, we just compromise. Uh, and compromise is a little bit like, have you ever been to a carnival? And you know those little puppets that you hit one and another bounces up? Ever, you ever seen those? And you hit one, bang, another bounce. You hit that and another bounce. That's, that's what compromise will do. You never deal with the issue. You just compromise. And lastly, what they teach us is, is the best way to deal with conflict is collaborate. It's a win-win situation. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes time to listen to the, the other point of view. Collaborate. Find out what is, is common and what will work. And then, and then you say, well, wait a minute. If, if, if none of that works and, and we've still got issues and, and, and if we've done everything, we've done everything, then, then, then what do we do? then maybe we should overlook it. Maybe we should just forgive. Proverbs 19.11 says this, sensible people control their temper, temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. By overlooking wrongs. Is there an avenue for reconciliation? Is there an avenue for negotiation, for solution? Hopefully so. But forgiveness is also part of that also. James chapter 1 verse... Um, um, I'll hurry. James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. And so write that scripture down. James 1, 19 and 20. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. Quick to listen. It means that we take time to listen. Listen, 
listen, <laughs> listen, listening is more difficult than hearing. <laughs> a lot of people hear, but few people listen. We hear many words a minute, but listening is a lot different. You ever talk to somebody and when you're talking to them, they're looking all around? They're not listening. They're hearing, but they're not listening. Give people your attention. Give people their, your concentration. Give, give, ask for clarity. Listen, listen. Speak uh, 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 slow to speech. That's what the Bible uses, slow to speech. Let me give you just, I didn't write these scriptures down here, but I'll just give them to you. Uh, Proverbs 10, 19. Much, from the New Living Translation, of course. Much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. It's Proverbs, practical book. Proverbs 17, 27, a true wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even tempered. Proverbs 21, 23, watch your mouth and tongue your, 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 and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Ecclesiastes 5, 3, too much activity gives you restless dreams. Too many words makes you a fool. Did you hear about the man who was in an argument with his wife? And he said, I can't understand why God made you so beautiful and so stupid at the same time. Did you hear about that? Did you hear about that guy? Did you hear what his wife said? His wife said, God may be beautiful, so you'd be attracted to me. God may be stupid, so I'd be attracted to you. That might work Sunday morning. I don't know. Good joke for Sunday morning. Don't get angry. Here's what Ephesians 4 says. And don't let, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Let me jump down to uh, uh, just a, another scripture here in the last five minutes of our time that we have together. What happens when you just can't resolve conflict? Either you don't want to, either they don't want to. What happens? Uh, let me recommend something to you that maybe you sh it's not in your library, but you should have in your library. And it's called The Bait of Satan. And the book talks about offenses. One of the scriptures that um, John Bevere uses in his book is this scripture from Matthew 24. Where Jesus is talking about the end of days and what will happen to the church in the end of the days just before his coming. And here's what he says in Matthew 24, verses 10 through 13. And then many will fall, fall away. King James Version uses fall away. New Living Translation uses the term offended. And then many will be offended. Let me tell you something. Sometimes when people are offended, they fall away. And betray one another. And hate one another. And many false teachers will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Now, now that word many in that first verse, verse 10, is it really means a large number. A large number. It, in other words, it will be common in the last days for people to be offended. It'll be common. And, and please hear this, that offense, the offense is, is, is a progression. If, if offense is not dealt with, it will eventually lead to hatred. 
Proverbs 18, 19 says this, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And what that means is this, in, the, in, the, in Bible days, they, cities were built with walls around them. And the walls had two purposes. The walls kept out people that you didn't like, and the walls kept in people that you did like. And the Bible says, a, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars, bars of a castle. Now the King James Version uses the word citadel. And when you look up that word in the Greek, it literally means the, the inner part of the city where they kept um, the, the goods, the, the ammunition, the food, things of that nature. The, the, the things of warfare. And, and, in, and in essence, if the walls were breached, the last stand would be the citadel. Contention is like the bars of a citadel. Bible says many false prophets will rise and deceive many. And I wondered, uh, who will be deceived? And if you, if you put this verse in its context, those that are easily deceived are those that are offended. Offended by the church, offended by the gospel, offended by people. Now, now you might think, you might think that Jesus is talking to the world here. He's not. He's talking to the church. How do I know that? Because the word love, in, in, that, in that passage that I read, the love of many will grow cold. That word, that word love is the word agape. That's the love of God. That's the love we have for one another. The world doesn't have that kind of love. The world doesn't have agape love. The church has agape love. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Of course, that's, that's, that has to be the church. He who endures to the end shall be saved. The person that can't get over an offense is a person that's in trouble. And the, and the, and the people that can really offend you are the people that are closest to you. Have you ever heard this? I, I can't believe. I can't believe. They're, they were, they're, they're my brother and their sister. And, and, and I can expect that from the world. Have you ever heard that? But I didn't expect it in the church. This whole area, and, and I'm not going to get into it tonight, but there's this whole area of forgiveness that we need to implement into our lives, into the life of the church. Not only are we forgiven by God, but oh, folks, we need to forgive one another. Why do I say that? Because we live in an imperfect world, and sometimes we are imperfect. And we say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. Sometimes we fail to ask forgiveness, but we need to forgive one another. I will tell you that the people who can't forgive have forgotten what it's like to be forgiven. Now, tonight, and my time is up, tonight, um, I'm going to encourage you to get that book, The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. It's, the book's 20 years old. 
but so relevant to the church today. Don't, don't get offended. Um, people get offended over the smallest issues. Um, people leave church because the music's too loud. I don't know what they're going to do when they get to heaven. I don't know. Uh, I just don't know. Uh, well, you know, that church is too emotional. Again, I don't know what you're going to do when you get to heaven. Um, don't be offended. The biggest, a big part of your life, big part of your life needs to be focused in this area of forgiveness. And you may have some things in your life that you may say, I, I, I don't know how I can forgive. But I'll tell you, God can help you with that if you just surrender to him. And how, how do I know I've forgiven? How do I, and I'll close with this. How do I know I've forgiven someone when you can pray for them like you pray for yourself and your family? Lord, I bless them. Lord, I pray that they prosper. Lord, I pray that you're good to them. God, I pray that everything that they do is blessed, Father. I just pray, Father, that, that, that you, would, you would take care of them. That's when you know you're forgiven. That's when you know. When you can pray for that brother that's offended you, like you pray for yourself and your family. Thank you again for joining us. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged by our service. And we invite you to join us again next week. Our services go live every Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and at wordoflife.church. And we also meet in person every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. If God is using our church to change your life and you'd like to help us lead people to life in Jesus through giving, you can do so by visiting wordoflife.church give, or you can text your donation amount to 84321. Follow along with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube if you'd like to know more about what God is doing in and through our church. God is doing incredible things here, and we are so honored that you chose to spend your time with us.